Thank you, Brian. Well, this is a uh, treat uh, to get to speak tonight uh, for me on this topic. Um, given the video that you saw about the volunteers, I want you to keep that in mind as I talk on this topic. And then treat to have um, Mike up here t um, telling you a little bit about his ministry with the Navigators. Um, and um, I, I did go to a training program with Mike back in uh, uh, about three years after Noah got off the ark, as I recall. And um, um, we've known each other a long, long time. So this is a real blessing. Uh, when Chris asked uh, and talked about this week since he was going to be away, I asked him if I could speak from Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Um, this uh, little set of verses here, I'll give you the context. Uh, through the first 11 chapters of Genesis, uh, God uh, tells us the story of the creation of the, uh, the world, how he prepared the earth for life, how he made Adam and Eve, um, told us about the fall, um, and then we began to see mankind multiply, spread out, and how sin affected that, and there's stories up through chapter 11. And it's in chapter 11 that we're introduced to this guy named Abram, who becomes Abraham um, later. Uh, he is living in um, between the rivers in modern-day Iraq. Um, he has grown up in a polytheistic culture. It is uh, absolutely, you know, doing the archaeology of that era when Abraham lived. This is 2000 B.C. Uh, these were uh, folk who had many idols and they worshipped many gods. And that's Abraham's upbringing. And uh, in chapter 12, we have a pivot point in the Bible. And uh, the thing that I like to point out, um, when you get to chapter 12, you've read this much of the Bible, and you got this much to go. And if you ever ask yourself, what is the rest of the Bible going to tell me? You have in Genesis 12, 2 and 3, the outline for the rest of the book. Those two verses are God revealing what he intends to do. And um, I'm, I'm a history guy, and I like to see and understand in the flow of history what's going on, where's it going, what's happening. Well, these two little verses of where God reveals himself and promises to Abraham is actually the outline for the rest of this book and the outline for what we are going through today. And so this amazing thing, here is this, this young man who is uh, polytheistic, who knows nothing about God, and God shows up and says to him in verse 1, I want you to leave your home, and I want you to move. I'm going to tell you where to move, and I want you to leave. And then he makes this promise. A, set, a series of promises. And he says, I will make you into a great nation. 
and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all of the nations in the earth will be blessed through you. There are seven specific promises made to Abraham. By the way, many people read this passage and they think because of Abraham's faithfulness, God fulfilled this. That is absolutely not true. These are not conditional promises. God did not say to Abraham, if you do something, I'll do this. God said, I'm doing this in you, through you. And this comes completely from God. At this point, Abraham doesn't even know God's name. When you read in Genesis, it's not until later that God actually reveals his name. He doesn't know who this God is that's revealed himself. Uh, And you see in the rest of Genesis the progressive nature of how God reveals himself to Abraham. So part of the thing to understand is this promise made to Abraham is not contingent upon Abraham. This is something God is going to do in and through Abraham. And this is his plan for the future of the world. So I'd like to break it apart. I'd like to look at the different parts of this. So let's start with this. He says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. Now, at this point in time, Abe is married to Sarai. And Abram and Sarai have been trying to have kids and have not been successful. They have no offspring. And so when God states to him that I will make you into a great nation, uh, this is a difficulty because he's not having any kids. There is no offspring coming from his loins, as the uh, King Jimmy would lead you to uh, say it. And so um, here's God saying, I'm going to make you a great nation. And you follow the story And what does God do in the story? Well, they uh, take a little trip to Egypt. In in Egypt, we go through Sister Act 1, where he tells, you know, uh, Sarai to say, you're my sister. And Pharaoh finds out and gives him all of these servants. By the way, gives her servants. And that Egyptian maid, a little later on, um, when they're still not having children, Sarai finally says, well, Maybe what I'll do is I'll give you the Egyptian servant and you can have a baby through her and we, we can have an offspring. And so he does that and gives birth to Ishmael. And so now he's got an offspring. But God comes back to Sarah and to Abe and goes, no, no, no. He is not the one I promised you about. You're going to have a, a son of promise through Sarah, through Sarai. And um, when God makes that claim, Sarah's in the tent and she laughs. And and God says, Sarah, why are you laughing? And I love this little thing. She said, I didn't laugh. And God says, no, but you did laugh. And he's very aware of this because they've now gotten to the point that they're too old to have kids. And then we go into Sister Act 2 where he goes to um, Gerar and Abimelech and, you know, lie again about you being my, um, my sister. Abimelech takes him and God rescues Sarai from Abimelech 
because God intends through Abraham to have this offspring. And then here comes Isaac. Isaac is born, and they have one child. I will make you into a great nation. One, one boy, one baby. And um, Abraham dies, and Isaac you know, gets married, and he has two children. And, uh, um, uh, yes, and so he has two, and God makes a comment to them about who the promise is going to come through, and it's through Jacob. And the story goes on, and then Jacob has to run away because he tricked his older brother, he fears for his life, he goes off, and he has two wives and two concubines, and he ends up having 12 kids, 12 sons. And he has a, how many girls? Yeah. And Dine is in the kitchen. Yeah, okay. So, and one girl, he comes back with his 12 sons, and then they have to go to Egypt. And there's 80 of them that march off into Egypt. And 430 years later, when God brings them out, it's over 2 million. And he brings them through the uh, wilderness into the land of Israel, and the nation is born. All of this back to the promise to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. And the nation of Israel exists to this day. It is a nation that God created through a promise to one man. And that that nation exists. But then he says this, I will bless you to Abraham. Not only will I make you a great nation, I will bless you. And the thing that I'm struck is by Psalms 32, where David said, Blessed is, uh, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man um, whom uh, the sin the Lord, has, uh, the Lord has not counted against him, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When we think of blessing, often we think of material blessings, money, possessions. When God says to Abraham, I will bless you, I believe it is well beyond that, although Abraham became the Bill Gates of his day. He had a large enough estate that five city-states kings would unite together, and Abraham was able to take his servants, the men in his household, and give enough of them who were of age to fight to go fight against the kings of Ketelamir and defeat them. He was a very wealthy man. But God's blessing to Abraham is beyond wealth. And it is this. He gives him relationship with God. He forgives his sin. He doesn't count it against him. This is done by God for Abraham before Christ came. The blessing of God given to Abraham is the relationship and the forgiveness And the kindness and grace of God is poured out on him. God promised it. I will bless you. And then God says, I will make your name great. So he says, now not only will you become a great nation, but your name's going to be great. And so here we are 4,000 years later, and I'm talking about this guy, Abraham. It's fascinating. Uh, Excuse me. A... um, thing I was reading recently, and I've started doing this with the kids at school, I've started asking people to name me your great-grandparents. And I'd like you in your own mind 
to think, how many great-grandparents can you name? And this professor has done this study that says about 85% of people can name only one great-grandparent, which he then comes to a wonderful conclusion. He said, you're two generations away from being forgotten, which is a little shocking. You know, you think, wow, two generations from now, you know, who are they going to remember? And here's Abraham 4,000 years later. And we know of him. We know his story. We know his name. God said, I will make your name great. And his name has been made great. Still talked about. He then says, you will be a blessing. And so he promises that Abraham not only will be blessed, but God will then turn him into a blessing. And in, again, in Genesis, when you read through the stories, it's so interesting that when God uh, comes to Abimelech and says, take Sarah back, what's fascinating is he tells Abimelech, you ask Abraham to pray for you so that no harm will come on you. And so Abimelech's been lied to by by Abraham, and yet God commands him, you need to ask Abraham to pray for you so that you will not undergo any difficulties. And so Abimelech has Abraham pray for him. I see that as just one little example of Abraham becomes a blessing to others. His life blesses other people's lives because God has promised I'm going to make you a blessing. And your life will bless other people's lives. And then he gives the two that come together. I will bless those who bless you, and, and whoever curses you, I will curse. I call this the, uh, this is God as his bodyguard verse. Here's God's promise. Abraham, whoever blesses you, I'm going to bless them. And whoever curses you, they're going to be cursed. It's sort of like, You've got God behind you going, come on, say something. Because you say something bad about him, you're going to face the music from God. There are people today who believe that this, is, this promise still exists related to the nation of Israel. That the nations that bless Israel will be blessed. Because God promised it. You, you, you bless him, you'll be blessed. You curse him, watch out. There, a God himself will curse you. And then the very last premise, the seventh one. All of the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. There it is. Every nation on the planet will be blessed through you. You go back to the story. Israel comes out, comes into the promised land. They they grow, become powerful, all the way up to David and Solomon. And then the, the nation is split in two. They are carried off into exile. They are brought back from exile. They exist as a nation when the Romans come in and conquer and take over and possess the nation of Israel. And then in a small town, Bethlehem, a Jew is born. And that Jew, who is a descendant of Abraham, Christ, comes to the planet. 
And God, through the nation of Israel, brought the Savior, the King, our Lord. And he goes through his ministry, goes through his death, and then since then, guess what has happened? The message of the kingdom of God, of Christ as Lord and Savior, has spread. Where? Throughout the planet. And it is today, your presence here is a fulfillment of what God promised to Abraham. Through him, all the nations of the world would be blessed. Got to ask yourself, are you blessed? Are your sins forgiven? Does God not count against you your transgressions? That you have been, you know, have, have, have been saved by that? We see. That's why I say these two verses are the outline for the entire story of the Bible. This is where God is going. And God's intention in his promise to Abraham is to do this. And you go, wow, look what God has done through Abraham in all of these years, 4,000 years, the promise is fulfilled. Then you read in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, Paul says this, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And you are an heir according to the promise. You know, Paul, who was the apostle to the Gentiles, is going, here's back to this promise. Here's what is true. That not only is this a physical nation, but it is also a spiritual nation. And that if anyone is in Christ, they are Abraham's seed. That is the, the, the Jewish way of saying, you are an offspring of Abraham. Even though you're not Jewish. And this was part of the problem for Israel. Israel struggled with thinking that they were the chosen ones and them alone and everybody else, tough luck. And the early church had a whole problem with this. That as the message of the gospel began to go to the Gentiles, God had to work amongst the Jews to help them understand that his intention has always been the whole world. Through you, all the nations will be blessed. God's intention was not just to bless the nation of Israel, but all of the nations. One of my favorite authors is an Indian fellow named Vishal Magdalwadi. If you ever get to read his book, Truth and Transformation, or, um, or um, he's, he's written several others. Bill, what are his other books? Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. In reading about Magdalwadi, he um, went to Allahabad uh, University in India. He was raised Hindu. While he was at university, he ran into some Christians. And I don't know how it happened. I haven't heard his, his actual testimony of it. But one of them talked about the promise to Abraham that through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. And Vishal Magdawadi said, well, wait a minute. If this is the God who is the God of all of the earth, and this is true, then I will see how God 
has blessed India through the Jewish people or through the Christian people. And he began to do research. And now in researching India, knowing its history, he came to faith. Because what he saw was the fingerprints of God and the blessing of God on India. The very promise made to Abraham was being fulfilled within India. And you, that is so fascinating to me to start to look around and go, wow, the promise made to Abraham is being fulfilled in our time. You, as a follower of Christ, are the seed of Abraham. You are his offspring. You're not Jewish. You're his offspring. You're a child of Abraham. In faith. But then the last part. You are an heir according to the promise. Now an heir is someone who inherits. You write a will and you write it to your heirs. I remember this comedian who's, you know, who said, I, I wrote my will recently and it says to, uh, to Phil who said, I'd never mention him in my will. Hi, Phil. And then he proceeds on, you know. He's not going to give him anything. He's just going to mention him in the will. An heir inherits from the generation before. And here in Galatians, Paul is saying that as people who belong to Christ, we inherit the promise. The promise given to Abraham is yours by inheritance. When I first heard this, I was blown away. Could that be true for me? And so, one of the advantages of being 65 is you have a little time. And you can look back. Just like when you read the Bible, you can look back as to what God did. So you can look back. So, one of the things that I wanted to do was to look through to this promise as your inheritance and what it means to you. So, here it is. I will make you into a great nation. The promise given to Abraham is yours by inheritance. You know what God is saying to you? I will make you into a great nation. Now, how do you become a great nation? With Abraham, how did it start? One offspring. So Isaac was born, and he was on the path to the great nation. Well, I'm going to go back in history. There was a guy named Al Lunsford who was with the Navigators and started the Navigator Ministry at the University of Arizona in 1969. Al had been an Air Force guy here at Davis-Monthan, single guy, and Al... God put the U of A on his heart. And as a single Air Force guy, he used to come over to the U of A at night and walk to campus all night praying for the U of A. And what did he pray for? That God would raise up men and women of faith. He did that for six months, not every night, but every week he would come walk. Got out of the Air Force, 
The navigator said, we want to send you to South Dakota. He said, I don't want to go to South Dakota. I want to go to the U of A. They said, no, you're going to South Dakota. He said, fine, I won't go to South Dakota. I'm coming to the U of A. And he showed up. And he showed up, and the navigators quickly said, well, we better send somebody with him. And they sent a guy named Dan Green. And Dan Green and Al Lunsford started the U of A ministry. Well, Al went into the student union one day. And um, there was a guy sitting alone at a table. And so he had his lunch and went over and sat down at the table. And uh, before he sat down, said, do you mind if I sit here with you during lunch? The guy said, no, that's fine. Sit down. So he sat down with him. And he began to talk to him. They engaged in a conversation. And Al turned the conversation to a talk about Christ. And they were discussing about the gospel and about Christ. And Al said to this guy, by the way, his name is Jeff. And he said to Jeff, he said, uh, Jeff, what do you think about all of this? Now, it's noonday in the student union at the U of A. What does Jeff do? He says, you want to know what I think about this? Al said, yeah. Jeff pushed back his chair, stood up on his chair, stepped up on top of the table, and in the middle of the student union, yelled out, get a load of what this guy is trying to tell me. Five, six hundred students are all silent, looking at this bozo standing up on a table, shouting about this guy. And Jeff got off the table and sat down and said, that's what I think about it. And Al didn't blink. Al said, would you like to get together and see what the Bible says about that? And Jeff said, yes. And he began to meet with Jeff and to talk with Jeff about the gospel. Well, um, about two months, three months later, this guy named John was driving down Speedway, heading west, right by Country Club, pulls, his, as he's driving along, sees a guy hitchhiking. The guy hitchhiking is Jeff. And John pulls over and picks him up. Jeff hops in the car, and they start to drive on, and Jeff goes, I know you. And the guy, John, driving the car, looked at him and went, I know you. By the way, Jeff and John had both been high school students in Bangkok, Thailand, three years before. Neither of them knew they were at the U of A. It was one of those divine appointments. And Jeff, a few months later, becomes a Christian, and then the next fall approached John and asked him a survey question. And um, in the midst of the discussion said, John, would you like to see what the Bible says about Jesus and salvation? And John said, yes. And he met with John in Cochise Hall. And three days later, John came to faith. And not long after that, the John in Cochise Hall um, met a guy named John Dondrea. And John Dondrea had come from New York, from Long Island to the U of A. He had been stoned all of his four years in high school. He was a pothead. He had come to the U of A because he really wanted to make contacts to set up for his pot business that he wanted to start in New York. And John was making contacts and meeting people, and he got invited to a place called the Vineyard to hear Hal Lindsay speak right in this room. And John came to that meeting, and when Hal Lindsay spoke, that John came to faith. And that John lived in Cochise Hall. And the first John, which is me, started to meet with John Tandrea. Now, John had been so stoned for so long he couldn't speak. He grunted. 
when you would speak to him and you'd ask him questions, he'd say, yeah, uh, cool, man. You know, it was like uh, Cheech and Chong. You thought, no, this can't be real, but it was real. But John got sober. He was beginning to follow Jesus, started to study the Bible, memorize scripture, and changed his major after four months to Chinese linguistics. And in two years, studying Chinese linguistics at the U of A became fluent in Mandarin, Cantonese, and Toisan, and could read and write Chinese. An amazing mind, an incredible gift with languages. Speaks seven languages today, and he's working on Mongolian for the fun of it. By the way, John ended up going to Langzhou, China to teach English. And he began to preach the gospel in China and has continued. He now lives in the U.S. but travels to China two to three times a year. He's now working with illiterate peoples in western China and seeing the gospel spread there. The first John goes to Kenya, met a young kid named Maie. Maie wanted to learn how to share his faith at Alliance High School. I said, well, why don't you do this? You set up an appointment with a friend, and you and I will go talk to him next week. He set up an appointment. We went to the friend, spent an hour just talking about God and the, and the Bible, salvation. When we were done, I said, you want to do that again? He said, yeah, make another appointment. We went and visited another friend. We did that for eight weeks. And after eight weeks, Maya said, I know how to do this now. A month later, I had a prefect at the school said, there's a crazy thing about Maie. He's talking to everybody about Jesus. And he's not preaching at them. He's not pressuring them. He's just talking. He changed schools and went to Strathmore School, 400 students, and he made it his goal in his first year at Strathmore to have an individual conversation with all 400 students. And he did. Then there's Clement, Awoko. Clem was studying French, got his degree in French, went to the university. He wanted to go to Cote d'Ivoire. And so he headed off to Cote d'Ivoire to work with high school students in Ivory Coast in West Africa. Wamba, Nick. Nick wanted to, um, you know, as, as he came to faith and began to grow, he ended up going to England, to London to study, to get his master's degree. And while he was in London, he started a church of Brits that he had led to faith. He spent the last 10 years in the Middle East, in, uh, in um, Bahrain, starting a church, meeting with believers. I will make you into a great nation. Folks, do you think when Al spoke to Jeff that he had any idea that in the future it would affect China, Kenya, Ivory Coast, the Middle East, England, and I'm only giving you a fraction of what's transpired? You know what the promise is? I want to make you into a great nation. What does God want to do with you? You know those little conversations you get to have? Do you have any idea what God will do with that? Can't even begin to imagine. 
Second part of the promise. I will bless you. God wants to bless you. If you're in Christ, you are blessed. He's fulfilling that promise. I will make your name great. You start to go, I, I, I start to look back at these people, you know, generations of people being reached by who. I think one of the things we're going to do in heaven is sit down and put it together. Who talked to you and who talked to him? And how did this thing come to me? And where did it go from there? You know what? There are going to be people show up who are going to go, thank you that you shared with that person. And you don't even know them. Because through them, the gospel came to them. God's promise, you will be a blessing. You know, I think of the vineyard going across over to Roskirch and think, wow, we are really being a blessing to people in lots of ways. This body of, of people is such a blessing to so many out. Why? Because the promise has been made. I will make you a blessing. And then he promises this. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Just as Abraham has his bodyguard in God, you inherit that promise. What are you afraid of? Afraid of what people will say. Guess what God's promised you? Whoever blesses you, I'll bless them. Whoever curses you, God will curse them. You don't need to worry about what people say about you. God's got your back. And then last of this is all of the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And I go back to the story I told you, starting with Jeff and Al and going, the nations of the world are going to be blessed through you. So I'm going to stop here. I'm going to come to an application. The promise to Abraham, according to Paul, is ours by inheritance. To get an inheritance, you don't have to earn it. It's given to you because you're one of the offspring. We are the seed of Abraham, and we inherit his promise. So first is this. One, just like Abraham, do you believe this promise? Do you trust that God is actually going to do what he said he would do in and through you? That's a good thing to stop and go, what do, what do, I, what do I believe? Do I believe this is true for me? Second, if you did believe that this promise is yours by inheritance, what are you praying for? This is a promise that can direct your prayer life. Father, would you make me a blessing? Would you work through me to bless the nations of the world? Not going to be done by me and my power. It's going to be done by God. And third is this. If you believe this, when you start to look at the events of your life, how do you interpret them? See, we read the life story of Abraham and we see how God is working these things to accomplish. It comes back to you start to look at your life and you go, what is God doing? I think of the, uh, the volunteers who are helping our kids. 
the guy that began the Navigators was helped in a church in a Sunday school class. And his coming to faith through that woman led to what? How many countries are the Navigators in, Mike? 104 nationals leading it, sending out missionaries. One woman helping a kid in Sunday school did what? God used her to bless the nations of the world. So what are you praying for? What are you believing God for? Because you have inherited the promise from Abraham. Brian, would you bring your group back up for a time of worship? Um, here at the vineyard, um, we have communion available. It is available to any who uh, are following Jesus. Uh, while we worship, you're free to come up and partake. Brian?